episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and it's been quite some time since we've had a breaking news show, but unlike the previous times that we were able to bring you one of those, uh, we were kind of expecting this one, so we had a, a chance to last-minute enter it into our schedule. Uh, I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Mike, tell the fine people what this breaking news show is going to be all about. So we waited all day. And at about a quarter past five Eastern time, Mark Malkin of Variety, Scott Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter, Deadline Hollywood, everybody's articles dropped just around the same few minute period where we saw posts about how Tuesday's Academy Board of Governors meeting went. There are some big changes. And of course, the biggest result of all this, Michael, is that Scoob, the upcoming animated reboot of Scooby-Doo, can now go ahead with its Oscars campaign. <laughs> yes. Because Scoob is coming out on premium VOD soon. That's the headline of this. Uh, thank, thank God we keep asking for proof of a deity's existence and we finally have it here. Uh, no, but more seriously, yes, as like Mike said, uh, we, we knew that there was going to be some breaking news coming. We knew the Academy Board of Governors was meeting today, so we're going to push MMOW down further on in the week. We wanted to keep the schedule open for you guys to be right on top of this story as soon as humanly possible. We're recording this a little after 6 p.m. East Coast time uh, to get this out to you on the 28th of April. Hopefully you'll be listening to it then because we like to have this hot off the press. But yeah, Mike, why don't we get into it? We'll start quoting uh, from different articles, both from Mr. Malkin of Variety and our, our buddy Scott Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter as well. But let's get into the first major change having to do with the Academy adjusting to this COVID craziness, Mike. Yeah, so from the Variety article, it says that films will be allowed to be released digitally without playing in theaters and be eligible. However, that doesn't mean any movie premiering on a streaming service is eligible for Oscar Gold. To be considered, the streamed film must have already had a planned theatrical release. <laughs> The film must also be made available on the Academy Screaming Room member-only streaming site within 60 days of the film streaming or VOD release. So we currently literally live in a world in which the Dave Bautista movie, My Spy, is still (laughs) eligible for Oscars. That's right. But Big Time Adolescence, which we both truly loved on Hulu, uh, cannot be eligible for an Oscar. So here lays the Pete Davidson Oscars campaign uh, until... King of Staten Island drops on VOD on June 12th because that will be Oscars eligible. Are you keeping up, folks? So look, here's the 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 basically bottom line of that part of the new eligibility rules. You need to have been scheduled for a theatrical release. If you were scheduled for a theatrical release and you pivoted as a result of COVID, well, then you're fine. You're still eligible for the Oscars. Why don't the Academy just come right out and say, hey, We know there's a pandemic going on. We know people are trapped in their houses and all they can do is watch streaming services. But we will literally die before we allow streaming-only movies to be eligible for Oscars consideration. Because that's clearly what they're going for here, isn't it? I I think you're on the right track. I think that uh, you know we have talked about the staunch members, the old school members of the Academy and the Academy Board of Governors in the past. You know, if you read Feinberg articles about those uh, you know members, those anonymous ballots per se, right? You know, you get some conservative views, and I don't mean politically conservative. I I, I mean you know in terms of the industry. I mean right. these are some of the champions of the business in this Academy's branch. Old school uh, in the views. board of governors. Old right. school, absolutely. So, I mean, they've been making money w- together with certain people for 30 years, and to now box them out of the equation, and ergo the the you know theatrical movie experience and every you know all the real life faces behind that uh, system, you know they're not going to turn their backs a- on them at this critical juncture, Mike. And I think that's going to be my thesis statement for this episode. The only additional rule change from what the Hollywood Foreign Press did for the Golden Globes was to have this 60-day period where it's like another check or a balance here that they, you know, you have to put it on the Acata stream or whatever they're calling their streaming service there for the smart. Academy. I mean, but, I guess th- that's smart, but also very hypocritical. <laughs> right. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is that, you know, they basically are walking on eggshells here with this ruling. They don't want to 
turn their backs on business partners of decades, if not a full century of doing business, the, 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 the movie theaters. But they also don't want to piss Netflix off or piss Amazon Prime off to the point where they won't save them when the you know theatrical movie going. <laughs> so uh, they're France in experience. World War II. Right. The Academy they, is playing the role of France. I got they it. Can't, they can't. The people that are going to save them by killing them. <laughs> <laughs> the people who killed them and then are going to save their lives or mortally injured them and then are going to save their lives at the last minute. Netflix, you can't right. you can't piss them off to the point where they won't resuscitate you later on. Isn't it a politically savvy move if the Academy like I thought they might do. I thought that the, the results of today's board meeting was going to be one year exemption mm-hmm. if you're a film on a streaming network. I didn't think bad education from HBO. I didn't think they'd go that far, and they didn't. Uh, and in fact, they stopped well short of that. But I thought they would say, right. look, if you're on a streaming network or any streaming service and you're a, a above 90 minutes or 88 minutes, whatever the arbitrary cutoff would be, uh, you would be one year eligible for the Oscars. And I thought that would be actually a very wise move because if they did that, are we really of the belief that something like, for example, big time adolescence would sneak in and steal an Oscar from something that's coming out late in the winter anyway? No way. I mean, there's no way that these little streaming movies would outdo all the big guns that are still on the schedule anyway. I mean, Academy members would vote for Dune no matter how it is before they voted for something like that if it came to an apples to apples vote. So I thought it would have been a savvy move by the Academy to let just a blanket exemption of all these streaming movies in prove that they're not up to snuff of to what a traditionally quote unquote Academy movie is. And mm-hmm. that would be the last they hear from it. Now with this kind of like trying to stop this, these streaming floodgates before they start here, the, all they're doing is giving everybody that's in the corner of streaming more fodder and more fuel to their fire. No. Well, they, they they're trying to make a compromise in the middle and, and they're also trying to. Yeah, but I mean, they're it's really half hard. Pregnant. They're trying to be half pregnant. No, they're they're be. definitely half pregnant here. They're definitely half pregnant. And it doesn't 100%. work. You, I mean, you're but either here, for the streaming services or against it. No, they're they're. I think they're weaving a tightrope for the moment. Okay. HFPA actually set this precedent, and for them to basically follow that precedent is kind of sheepish or flim. You know, to make the to go with their flimsy rules makes sense. And it's weird and let's, that let's, the let's HFPA set the tone there. But. Flesh that out for a second. When we say flimsy, we're saying because this, I mean, the, the the idea, the quote here, the planned theatrical release, you don't need to be an attorney to walk, you know, the Stanford marching band through all the uh, questionable, whatever that means and whatever the definitions of that is. The planned theatrical release part of this is what we're kind of arguing over and what we say is flimsy about this. What does it mean to have a theatrical release planned? Does it mean you already sold the license? to certain studio to certain theaters does it mean oh yeah it was our intention all along does does it mean you're a traditional theatrical release studio so that's what we say is kind of flimsy about that having that be the the part of this sentence that is kind of your cop out and you get out of jail free card it's a bit flimsy i think is a good word for it so here's what they're trying to do by adding that 60 day caveat they're, they're not going to allow the January bad education, wherever that film was, when everything was normal. Yep. They're not going to allow that film to enter into the Oscar race because it, it can't be put on that streaming service within 60 days. They're also not going to allow the rest of Netflix's schedule to just go as Netflix would want it to go. And Netflix, of course, would just want to put it on Netflix. That Netflix has never wanted to go into movie theaters. They've never wanted to buy all these theaters and put their films out there first for three weeks, for a month, and take away from the exclusivity of putting their properties on their streaming service first. They have, you know, fought hard over that compromise for a long time and in my opinion it's still kind of a situation where netflix is winning out because netflix is only having to put out a movie out in la used to be only la now mike there's a new rule where you know they can expand to other cities but it's still very exclusive uh you know the irishman is still very exclusive to netflix let's just say so netflix is still winning out i think the academy knows that Netflix would have their cake and eat it too if they gave the year exemption like you put it. Why 
not try to give the streaming services more though. I, that's the way of the future. I, I understand yeah. that because it is a tightrope, and you've mentioned it a couple times. That's exactly what it is, and we've had, and I don't think you're wrong. I don't uh, think you, you're wrong. We've had Ann Thompson on the show, and she said that she believed that this year's Academy Awards would be, you know, a, a, a gusto, kind of a, a big gathering to save the theatrical experience. And I think, truly, sincerely, I think the Academy does have that as one of their intentions with this. Right. But I think there is also a way to do this without being so blatant to say that we can't. I mean, we can't give streaming services everything. I, I think that's a little much. It seems to me that they're playing half scared, too, as well. Like, I they're think, so terrified of giving streaming services anything. Mike, I think I'm going to throw your words back at you here. Because you have said, once you take the genie out of the bottle, how do you get the genie back in the bottle? Right. I don't know. A wiser person than you said that. You copied what they said, I think. Sounds but about right, yeah. I th- <laughs> you know, you mentioned as much, and if things get back to some sense of normal, right? If you give that year exemption and Netflix learns how much more money they can make with exclusive properties, not having to go and play all the major cities or play, you know, at least one major city first before it comes to their, you know, streaming service. I I think that exclusivity is something that Netflix is not going to give up in the future. Netflix may even say at that point, well, fuck it. Let's just go for Emmys. And yeah, then but you, you, that's well, a major yeah. problem. So going going for Emmys would have been the the way they could answer this. Because I was going to say what you could also do is set up some type of deal where it's a one-year uh, you know exemption. And then any other preceding year, if Netflix were to – or any streaming service were to go streaming only, yeah, they could still be eligible. But it's like some fee to the Academy per – movie like a 50 million dollar fee that you have to pay to the academy if you're going to stay streaming only and mm-hmm. you know i mean i know netflix has deep pockets but they're not going to go fucking insane either so i i think there was ways around it and i again it's we're, we're two guys speaking into microphones just wildly speculating but this kind of hit us as in the academy's attempt to honor the theatrical experience but also try and be half pregnant which it, it's really difficult to do it's very difficult to be half pregnant. I'm not a doctor, but I, I think that's true. <laughs> Mike, read the next part, because I think this is a big, big uh, development for Mr. Feinberg. Yeah, so Scott Feinberg, this is a quote from his article. This is another change that the Academy did. The board, meanwhile, will revert to its prior Oscar eligibility requirements when it, in consolation with health experts, concludes that theatrical moviegoing is once again safe. At that time, it will expand the number of cities in which a film can screen for a week to qualify, adding five more on top of L.A., those being New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, and Atlanta. So when we first read the other articles, you and I had, had a basically a page written down where we thought that this was going to be a bare minimum of cities that the Academy was adding to the right. list of Los Angeles where they would now have to play. So basically you'd have to have a platform, the start of a platform release for a Netflix film to eventually be eligible to, you'd for, have to for, hit for all those campaign. cities. And instead but it's actually, the yeah, that's one not of those the case. Cities. You have to be in at least one of those cities. We thought it was an all encompassing list uh, based on what we were reading early on, but okay. So this, I think is, is what you were getting at before. This is playing nice with the streaming services a bit. Right. So you you got sticks and carrots all around here. I I think in this case, they're making it easier on the streaming services to play in one of these major cities. However, they're also being sticklers to the rule that they set up last year and where you had to play in L.A. Right. And you, you had to play in a theater first. And therefore, to make that worth Netflix's while. Netflix basically experimented with the Irishman, played it around the country. Mm-hmm. It made nine million dollars in, in two in three weeks, you know, around the country in a limited release essentially, which was, you know, money for them. And I don't know if it was good money or not, but it was it was something. And then it uh, it did what it did on streaming. Now Although this might be something that makes it easier on streaming services, like I said, it also is basically the Academy laying the law down once more. That if Atlanta opens first, which I guess, you know, looking at all these cities, it, Atlanta or Miami would open first, right? So if it Atlanta, way, yeah. th- this is where it's vague and in all the articles, and no offense to them, they're just, you know, reporting what they, you know, what they heard. If Atlanta and Miami open, are you going to, you know, hold the green night to playing in Atlanta or in Miami 
and then you know you're going to hold the green knight to that on may 29th or are you going to allow the green knight to go directly to premium vod and not play those two cities because it's not playing any city and it's exclusive to premium vod right. or it's exclusive to netflix that buys the green knight because it doesn't have enough programming you know that now well, now what we're about something that's moved what about something like mulan that's already moved once if disney wanted to move it again does that mean that it's not eligible for Oscars anymore at all? Because, you know, Atlanta was open by the time Mulan's release right. date comes around, or the second release date, and because they moved it a second time, it wasn't done in time. I mean, I guess in a way, as with all these types of, like, you know, correcting things on the fly, I guess it's better to be more general than too specific at first because you could always make things narrower and much akin to what we were just talking about in terms of a different rule. It's always harder to broaden things back out once they are done in a narrow way. So I can see the intention of this. Again, I go back to I think the Academy cares deeply about the theatrical experience. I'm not sure how many institutions truly do at this point, um, but I think the Academy very much does, and I think they know that they they can do some good with it, and I think these rulings are kind of catered to that as well, and I agree with your uh, initial output that this is them, it's it's kind of an olive branch to the streaming services in this way as well, while also doing some good in these cities. So, you mentioned Mulan in there, and I, I just want to throw this out, and th- this might be something very telling for the power of Disney Plus, for instance. If Mulan has to be changed again because we're not back to normal at mm-hmm. the end of July, and Disney Plus puts it on their service, then we're going to know how much money they're making with Disney Plus and mm-hmm. how it's worth it to them to basically say here's a, here's this shiny new toy on Disney Plus this this major this major attraction Mulan we're going to know what onward brought to them we're going to know what artemis fowl brought to them previously we're going to know what you know frozen 2 brought to them previously we're going to know that uh it's worth it to them at, at the height of these streaming wars when, when everybody's cutting the cord or half the people are rearranging their finances to cut the cord uh, you know to have disney plus in their equation we're going to know what that's worth to to disney and yeah. they might they very well might take something that big and, and put it there, like they 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 moved Frozen Two, which was going to make a ton of ton of money on VOD. It was going to make fifty million. They didn't care. They moved Artemis Fowl, which had that budget of one twenty or one hundred million, whatever that was, like huge that, yeah. budget. So maybe they'll take the one hundred fifty, one hundred seventy million dollar budget film and move it there next, because they do kind of have a content drain because they bumped everything up previously, and they weren't going to have a, a ton of stuff coming on there you know, new stuff anyway, in general, when they started uh, at the beginning of it all. Well, we're going to talk in a minute about the the finances of, of going straight to VOD, premium VOD, and what it could mm-hmm. mean and how it's kind of changed how we've always thought about what it means for a studio to make its money back on a production anyway. So we're, I, I mean, obviously in a lot of ways we're living through history. Speaking specifically about the movie industry and about the Oscars, this is such a pivot point for how everything is going to go forward and that's why we're speaking mainly in hypotheticals right now because i I think all that any of us can do is kind of project and predict because we're in uncharted territory right now i mean the the industry is going to change in one way mike and i were talking before we hit record today about what the hell theaters are even going to be at the end of this once we return to whatever the hell normalcy is i mean are, are they just going to exist to show blockbusters are they gonna are you gonna be able are major chains gonna be able to exist showing art house pictures etc etc i mean it's there's a billion different directions and and what ifs and sliding glass door moments as bill simmons likes to call them that are gonna come as a result of this period and this moment right now and we're not the only ones saying this i think the academy is wise to that as well but again, that's why I'm a little surprised they are still going so hard at resisting instead of just openly embracing streaming networks. And maybe they'll regret it at the end of the day. Maybe at the end of all of this, <laughs> the Emmys will come to Netflix, Mike, and you know, movies will be Emmys forever and forevermore. And the Oscars will die because movie theaters will die or become some niche thing that people only go to like museums, right? right? Or drive-in movie theaters now or something. And 
you know, we could be looking at a situation where most of the big chains have to shutter. And then we're, we're talking, you know, we talked about before the show, what are the antitrust laws in place right. for vertical integration where, you know, the studios could also own the theaters and is it worth them worth it to the studios? And we had a big discussion on that. We don't know, but here's what we do know. And I guess to bring it all back, you know, you, you said before we were speaking in hypotheticals. Well, you were. I'm just ranting and raving, and I don't know where I'm, I'm at. But I, I, let, let's we're ground just two this. Two lunatics. Yes, two lunatics raving into a microphone. What else is new, Mike? Yeah. Let's ground this here. Bad education, Emmys. Correct. Correct. A hundred percent. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Crip Camp, the King of Staten Island, the King of Staten Island, Scoob. Oscars, correct? And they will all win Oscars, correct? <laughs> yes to the second part. I, I, I would think, I don't know. Yes, speaking generally, I don't know if Crip Camp had a, a, theat- a theatrical release or if one was planned. But yes, generally speaking, those would all be the types of Netflix movies that do have theatrical rollouts as well. So yes, those would be all Oscar eligible. And I'm not sure that the big time adolescence wasn't planned for a movie theater or not. Well, that's the other been. part of this. I don't remember. Like who who's in charge of saying when a studio is being honest or when it's all just bullshit? Like maybe there yeah. was a contract that wasn't signed because they held off on signing the theatrical release, uh, limited theatrical run with a, 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 a theater branch because they knew COVID was coming in the crosshairs. They wanted to play it safe and they weren't quite sure if they wanted to go forward with the rollout. But now they have to have a theatrical release and they could say, well, look, we did plan one because we want to be Oscar eligible, but we just didn't actually sign the paperwork. So is that just a TFB situation? Like there's a zillion questions that are in- involved with all this. Well, something like Big Time Adolescence, that was coming out right at, as everything was hitting, and they just moved that up a week. So whatever whatever was planned for a movie like that, it, it, would, it would be obvious at this point. I don't think they could Correct. hide. Yeah, or yeah, something that's – I agree. I agree. That specific anything, instance, you know? yes. Yeah. I agree. Anyway, we got some more big news about the uh, about the Oscars, Mike. Yeah, so those that, that the big uh, COVID – adjustments wasn't the only thing the board of governors decided on and addressed we also have the sound mixing and editing categories are going to officially be combined into a single award as the sound branch has advocated for and that will bring back uh bring down the total number of oscar awards given on awards night to 25 yeah i think that number is even smaller but uh that was the number variety cited yeah, I think variety. It's strange because variety and THR. How many awards are there, Mike? I feel like we're- we. I mean, we should know. We shouldn't we be relying should on people know. at this point. So we'll take the blame for this one. I don't know, but I, it's one less. That's what we're I do. trying to just survive here, people. Michael, th- this is all what I just figured out the difference between sound editing <laughs> and exit. All your, all I just your figured effort. it out. <laughs> No, I think I think I just watched that movie, you know, about the difference between editing and mixing. And I I figured it out for the first time in my Oscar loving life. And now you'll never need it again. <laughs> never need it again. <laughs> well, that's this is something that's been rumored for a long time, ever, especially since going into this most recent Academy Awards that we had in February. And it's uh, there were rumors starting and popping up before then. We were on the record saying that there's obviously a sound mixer and a sound editor. There's a bunch of different people that work on the sound of film you might as well reward as many people as you can but if the sound branch was in unison and saying you might just you know combine the categories give the sound branch what they want i don't see a problem with that we're gonna have 20 people on the stage (laughs) for next year's winner of dune right yeah most likely which fine i I don't see i'm good with it get get your name in there but if they all have to read one name off of a paper that they pass along from one of I want them all to give individual speeches <laughs> at varying volumes. You would, would you? We're that the would sound be a meta category. Joke. That would be a meta joke that yes. you would like. I don't all right. for much. Well, let's get into the next big change because it's, it's something that is building on what we've been covering over the past few years, Mike. True. And it's that all Academy members will now be invited to participate in the preliminary round of voting for international feature film members will have to meet a you know a minimum viewing requirement to be allowed to vote but essentially this is taking uh the the shortlist round what they did for the shortlist round and allowing them to you know watch it on the streaming service and i think they're allowed to vote for it right just the the rest of the academy anyway they're now pushing that up around so the whole academy can be exposed to this 
list of 90 something international films. So this is very good for international films. Yeah, and I also like the the prereq there that you have to meet a minimum voting viewing requirement, so you can't just what go in blindly. What is that number? Well, what that, is that that's number going to be fascinating, be. too. Yeah, you're right. But they're treating international feature like best picture, which is essentially what it is. It's a second best picture category uh, for all intents and purposes, for at least for every other film. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, this is something that, you like you said, it's been building for a while. This has been expected, I think. And the fact that they're going to find a find a way to put in some kind of mechanism where there is you have to prove you watched so many other possible nominees, I like that a lot, quite a lot, as a matter of fact. I think it makes for more cold wars, and it makes yeah. for more you know never look aways, you know, yeah. for, for that to happen more frequently. Will it make for more parasites? I don't know, I, and I know. Obviously, Never Look Away and Cold War, you know, they got nominated before this rule was in effect. But they got a little more exposure from the last two years, I I think, by the Academy. Because they, like I said, they've been putting in rules to build up to this. And last year, they went so far as to make the 10 international films available on that streaming service Mm -hmm. for the whole Academy to watch Mm -hmm. and therefore vote for in, in terms of the nominations, right? So now this is going a step further. Do you like this rule? I think it makes a lot of sense. You're a fan of it? Well, it wouldn't have helped out Portrait of a Lady on Fire. No, it wouldn't have. Which is yeah. which is also a, a change I was surprised we didn't see mentioned because I don't understand, with international film being as lush as it mm-hmm. is lately and what it's turned into, why are we limiting? I, that doesn't make sense to me. Why why bother limiting one per one entry per country? Just open it up. I don't know how large the list would eventually get, though, Michael, because I think you got a lot of countries that would be very passionate about having multiple films okay can we have two (laughs) i don't know well then you're dealing with so we're not in a so we're not in a situation that just happened like this past year we had two quality you know i i I just want everything my way immediately without pushback or questions mike is that so much to ask we want their taste to be exactly (laughs) our taste and we want portrait of a lady on fire to be in there yeah i think if you have an academy worthy movie it should get recognized but uh, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully there's a change to coming. But I like that as a first step, what they did here today with the international film category. We also have a ruling affecting the original score category. This is, again, a quote from Malkin's article from Variety. Quote, in the original score category, the board has voted that a score must comprise a minimum of 60% original music. Additionally, for sequels and franchise films, a score must have a minimum of 80% new music. Or as I like to call this, the us rule. Uh, I also look forward to the Academy leaving this rule as is, providing no further definition as to what a sequel is and for people to be outraged at a future MCU score for either qualifying or not because of someone in the branch considered it a true sequel or not. And in the meantime, everyone's just pissed off. Do you think John Williams knew this was coming and then he said, yeah, no more Star Wars for me. That's it. Skywalker Saga is it. I got nominated for nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. And, you know, every single time he got nominated. I don't know if he got nominated for the prequels. I don't think so. Even though they had some decent scores with the, uh, you know, the opera singers. But, Mike, you're right. This is basically saying that you can have a remix in your movie right us remixed that great song i've got five on it and it was perhaps the best musical moment right. of last year's you know film year but if avengers endgame was eligible in last year's category for this award and maybe it still was by 60 percent, it just didn't get in there but let's just say it was in there why are you voting for avengers endgame in this category you're voting for it because of the old song that's used in the big moment every, at the end yeah, of the movie. Right, exactly. exactly I would think, right. even if that's a subliminal vote for people, if, if that was the option, you're voting for that moment. Or it's one of those, I mean, if you wanted to have Avengers yeah. Endgame be your best picture, you're trying to fill up your card and have that in as one of the lower card nominees, yeah. And uh, as beautiful as all the Star Wars music is, Mike, that, that theme song, that tried and true theme song, being in every one of those movies has got to help. And all those tried and true songs that John Williams put in every single one of the movie that he remixed slightly to a degree, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting that that won't count anymore, uh, at least as far as my reading of this new rule goes, because even though he's probably re-recording it and adding little tinkers and updates and probably putting in new notes, that won't be a substantial enough difference from what that traditionally was back in 1970, you know, whatever. 
Are you going to have like Millie Vanilli f- uh, forgeries here from Vanilla Ice movies? Right. I, I don't know how this is going to work. Like who's who's going to? I mean, maybe it's easier for him now. Here's maybe they're a saying, question. All right, more than 20% is easier than more than 40% or whatever the old number was. Did the Academy accomplish anything today? <laughs> or did they just give us a whole new bunch of questions that we're going to have to live with and sort through for the next couple months here? But I, I again, this is a. a I agree with the essence of mm. this rule. I don't know how you implement it. And I also would love to know how they come up with what 60% of something's original score is. Who's the guy counting those numbers? I thought you just said it was 80. Is it 80% or 60%? It's, it's 80% for a sequel. It's 60% for a new movie. Oh, man. Numbers just yeah. go right over Crazy. my head. <laughs> There's so many I have no mind for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have uh, one more, one more, one more big change here uh, again from Malkin's article. Quote: In keeping with the Academy's ongoing efforts to be more sustainable, the board also voted to eliminate DVD screeners like the TV Academy Edict. DVD mailers will be banned after this year in October. The Academy expanded its streaming room platform to include Best Picture hopefuls following its addition of documentaries, animated films, and shorts. Distributors are charged twelve thousand five hundred dollars per movie to screen on the platform. And the first thing that came to my mind upon reading this rule was, thank God, the Curb Your Enthusiasm finale got filmed when it did, because as of like (laughs) seven months from now, it's already going to be antiquated. Mike, there is no way for the Curb Your Enthusiasm finale not to be antiquated very quickly (laughs) with how that whole thing played out. I I just watched it, too. It's great. But... We're not going to be clinging to that show in 10 years from now, are we? Are we? Then then that's an us problem. If I could ever open up a Spike coffee shop, I will do it immediately. (laughs) I know you would. (laughs) I think you're going to be a dinosaur in 10 years if you quote that gosh darn TV show. Most likely. And and you should be. I've lived with my decisions up to this point. (laughs) Mr. Rubin, again, he's very forward thinking. He's been working up to this point for a while, you know, implementing the streaming service over the last year or two. And yeah, the screener age for the Academy is going to be over. It's, it's, it's going to help with piracy. I think, I hope, but bottom line, it's going to basically put everybody on that streaming service. It'll be interesting whether it does help with piracy because can hackers just is are they just making it too easy for hackers now they're putting all the uh, screeners in one place online I read so secure I read last year that like Game of Thrones is the most pirated anything right. of all time right and I, I I get that people can I guess do it within their own homes but how like if it's a digital if it's digital Mike torrent maybe not, somebody could get it. Digitally, the same way they can get it with a DVD. It's just easier, too. You don't have, I mean, you just go through a torrent site. Yeah, I mean, those are those are existing, and the FBI's been cracking down on those. But, all right, so those are the big sweeping changes. Once again, we wanted to shout out Mark Malkin uh, from Variety. Definitely go check out his article, as always. Scott Feinberg, our buddy there from The Hollywood Reporter. Go check out both those sites. Go read it. Digest it for yourself. We want to hear your thoughts, as always. Uh, we said we were going to transition and talk about some changing landscapes as far as VOD and film financing and the world of numbers goes. So, Mike, uh, why don't we start wrapping up here? What do we have about Trolls World Tour? Yeah, Trolls World Tour allegedly made $100 million at the domestic home box office. I think that's trademarked from somewhere. But on <laughs> premium VOD, it made over $100 million, essentially selling 5 million copies at $20 a piece uh, of their movie. And again, this is only in the United States, and uh, I think that's a big win for them, according to every article I've read. Is it a big win for them, do you think? I would think so. I think you convinced me, and we had a whole conversation prior to this about the new world of financing via premium VOD. Uh, Trolls World Tour, we've cited the budget. You go on Wikipedia, depending on what number you believe, it's anywhere from 90 to $125 million. And it seems like Universal's keeping 80% of all the premium VOD sales, which is more than the 50% they would be keeping in terms of revenue coming straight from movie theaters during the theatrical releases. So because of that bigger cut, we would think, well, for a movie to break even, we've always cited on this show that it has to do two and a half times its budget 
Well, since they're getting a bigger cut on this end, even though the marketing prices are still the same, the marketing uh, expenses, I should say, and, and to get the, the word of mouth out there is still the same cost. They're getting a bigger piece of the pie, so we're theorizing that maybe they only have to hit one and a half times their budget to make money or start seeing profit from it. This is going to hurt the back end, obviously, because there is no VOD or there's not going to be much of a rental market after this, I would think, unless people fall in love with this film. But still, to have to only hit, uh, let's say it's $100 million, if you only have to hit $150 million to start making money, they already made $80 million of it just domestically, you would think you're going to hit similar numbers internationally, so they may already be in the green, if that's the case, if that math checks out and we're not missing something glaring. So here's why I think they're in the green, because Scoob is coming out on the 15th and the King of Staten Island is already, you know, getting its release on the tw- on uh, June 12th. You know, we're having more of these movies coming down the pike for premium VOD. And they're, bi- they're sizable films. I mean, right. Scoob is probably at least a $50 million budget, conservatively speaking. I right? would think so. I, I searched all over for a number for that Couldn't movie, and it. I could not find it. But let, let's say Trolls World Tour was made for 120 and we, we never really know what these budgets are, and we never really know what the marketing is, because they don't say, because right? mm-hmm. they don't want to let us know how much money they're making, right? I mean, right. I get it. Bottom line is, it's going to at least do what it did here overseas, I would think, because they're I putting this movie well. in every other language. Usually, it's it's two and a half times, you know, for especially for Trolls 1. I think it made like 246 overseas, and it made 100-something here, mm-hmm. or 346 total, right? Bottom line is, the math works, and I, I think with that domestic number... If you have a bigger uh, international number, then the math is going to work, and it's to the point where it's a huge hit. Not just that, just that it's a hit; it's a big hit. So we're going to see a lot of these movies. The Green Knight, for instance. I don't know if Mulan would go this route if they already have Disney Plus available to them. You would but think we're anything see more Disney, movies do this. You would think anything Disney would just go Disney Plus, right? Well, here's the question: They. Are, are dealing with some complicated numbers. Again, they're dealing with HBO Max premiering, you know, at the end of May. And they're dealing with perhaps some people getting off of Disney Plus because they're buying into HBO Max, correct? Perhaps. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, two titans are going to clash. Some people are going to lose subscriptions here in these streaming wars. I wonder, I wonder if they know what kind of bumps they get based on their all their data from a Frozen 2, which is probably going to be what a Mulan would be in terms of additional subscribers, right? The question is, how do you tabulate right. the people you keep that wouldn't go away based on HBO Max and, yeah, and other streaming services? Uh, so that's certainly a question for those specific streaming services. The question for the broader... As far as premium VOD goes, okay, yeah, now we've seen something like Trolls World Tour can be a a viable financial success. Do we see any Oscar contender take this route, especially now knowing that they have to consider, take into consideration all these other new rules and regulations to be eligible at the end of the day if that's their main goal and we know for a fact that these studios still do make you know they produce films specifically to chase certain oscars yes obviously money rules all and makes the world go around but still there are certain movies done with the idea of awards and prominence in mind so i mean the landscape it is a changing and i don't know exactly when the world's going to stop turning and where when it does stop turning where it's going to land on we're just on one giant wheel of fortune wheel right now i think and Mm. we're all just anticipating that we uh get anywhere other than lose a turn or bankrupt but this is a a fascinating fascinating time certainly the most unique time for the industry as long as we've been doing mmo here Well, as Heath Ledger's Joker said when he finally got Harvey Dent alone in Gotham Hospital and turned around in that nurse's costume after killing Rachel. (laughs) Hi. Uh, We're back. It's always nice to have breaking news interrupt your breaking news, but that is exactly what happened. And so uh, we didn't plan on this section. You're getting live and up-to-the-minute reactions from us, but on the heels of talking about how Trolls World Tour and their perceived success on VOD and premium VOD would play its role in changing the industry landscape within the bigger picture of the Academy changes that we just finished talking about today, 
This little article dropped uh, from Dave McNary of Variety at about quarter of 8 p.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, AMC is uh, doing some big things in terms of any forthcoming Universal properties, Michael. Yeah, they're not going to play Universal movies. Are you kidding me? This is getting ugly. (laughs) Ugly. Here's what the article said. This policy affects any and all Universal movies per se, uh, and it goes into effect today and as our theaters reopen. It is not some hollow or ill-considered threat. Incidentally, this policy is not aimed solely at Universal out of peak or to be punitive in any way. Of course not. That's that's me saying it. It also <laughs> extends to any movie maker who unilaterally abandons current windowing practices absent good faith negotiations between us. Yeah, this isn't to punish Universal. This is to punish anybody who dare goes against AMC. <laughs> Currently, with the press comment today, Universal is the only studio contemplating a wholesale change to the status quo. Hence, this immediate communication in response. Wow. Oh, my God. All right. So that, what we ju- what Mike just read you, was part of a letter that AMC Theaters chairman and CEO Adam Aaron mm. sent to Universal. Uh, I have some questions. Mike has some takes. What do you, what, what is happening? <laughs> what do you want to go first, Mike? Well, my number one take is that AMC thinks it'll be around long enough to make good so that's on the this biggest threat. question. Right. Like we just, we just talked about last week on MMO Weekly, how Wall Street speculates that AMC is barely keeping their head above water. They have this plan they just unveiled to get a half a billion dollars in private equity raised to try and basically keep themselves alive through this COVID crisis. So that, your take rolls into my first question. Is this a struggling theater chain making empty threats for posterity's sake to seem like they're still the big bad man on campus? Or is this an actual oncoming Clash of the Titans right now? Uh, Look, we've seen Wall Street posturing get weird before. I just, uh, I can't believe the gall of somebody on a (laughs) sinking ship yelling at another ship close by and saying, hey, patch up that little... (laughs) <laughs> that little cut on your bow or whatever. I mean, this is this is not a move I saw coming. I guess the timing of it is most unique. Do you think it means anything that they clearly waited to leak this or maybe Universal leaked it? However, Dave McNary of Variety got his hands on this. It was done on the heels of the Board of Governors announcements of the changes to the Academy. Do you think there's anything to that, or is this really just one of the craziest days in the past years we've had for the movie industry? I think this answers some questions we had throughout this episode. We were wondering whether or not this is going to encourage more premium VOD releases, and that does, in fact take money out of the eventual hands of movie theaters and distributors, correct? I I think that's, I think we're understanding as much now. So now we do know that Trolls World Tour is undoubtedly a monster hit, worldwide hit, that's probably going to make something like $500 million when it's all said and done. And, And a couple hundred million of those, most of it, or more of it, let's just say, is going to be profit, pure profits. So Universal is doing what, Mike? They're probably starting to posture their whole slate for something similar. Even if this pandemic only goes on for another couple months, you got to think that they are making big plans to do more premium VOD, and AMC is like, hell no. Yeah, that's the read that makes the most sense. I would agree with you. I I can't. I mean, again, we're doing this right off the cuff. We just read this, sent it to each other, and we're like, (laughs) holy shit. (laughs) So these are our live, in-the-moment reactions, and I can't, at this point, wrap my head around any other way to read what happened with Trolls. Because if Trolls was a bomb, I mean, it seems obvious to say it, but if it wasn't going to make a a wild profit or an unexpected gain be this whole new revenue stream, then what would AMC give a shit if they went to... I mean, that would give amc bargaining power essentially they'd have leverage if trolls world tour made a modest profit let's say you could probably figure it the way i was figuring it all along like it's only 
you know, happening now during a pandemic when the demand is that high. I keep saying that, right? So right. the fact that it's it's probably making a ridiculous profit says that Universal's changing plans, which and you're getting the counter argument from AMC live right right here today with, with all these breaking news stories. So the question I have is, will other theater chains back this up and do likewise? We've already seen NATO, that crazy named organization of beautiful people <laughs> that we love. We've already seen them, you know, decry this Trolls World Tour where I'm taking ripping that right off the Hollywood Reporter headlines before we've seen them upset with this before so they've been talking trash to universal throughout this process now yeah but nato didn't go so far as to say you know there's going to be consequences they basically tiptoed around and that's included in this dave mcnary article as well they were basically like well if it wasn't for this worldwide pandemic where everyone's indoors uh, this wouldn't happen and they were basically just shaking their finger at universal but i mean to actively take the step to say we're not fucking showing your movies anymore. I mean, is there a bigger middle finger that you can give a studio? Well, they did leave a lot of room in their letter for future negotiations. Like, we'll discuss other windows, blah, 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 other marketing things. We'll discuss it. We want to negotiate. So it's it's not like they're saying a firm no, but it's a, it's a firm no for the moment. And I think they're trying to get Universal to the table. So my question is, let's say if they make good on this threat for a movie or two. I mean, we got some big universal movies that are going to come out this year. We got Candyman, Halloween Kills, Bios. I don't know. I guess Bios is still on the schedule. And then News of the World, the Oscar movie with Tom Hanks. These are all upcoming universal movies, not to say anything of The King of Staten Island, Trolls, The Hunt, and Invisible Man. So are they cutting off their noses to spite their faces here, the movie theaters? Well, who needs who more? I, 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 if you go by what we've read and what we've reported on and the takes we've had, clearly, clearly AMC needs Universal more than vice versa. You would if think. everything we've read is true. You would totally I mean, obviously, think that. Exactly. So uh, why you would do this, I, does, uh, does AMC even have leverage to play with right now? In this relationship, they need to get the other change on their side. They got to get exactly. They got to get Cinemark, and more than that, they probably need independent theaters to join in their plight. And there's no way. I mean, if you talk about a theater like down the hill from me, this little two man operation here, they clearly more than AMC needs Universal. They need Universal. They need the goods. They need the goods, and that's a bunch of weeks on the calendar. Let's just be honest. If you're not playing the hit movie of that weekend, there goes your weekend in terms of, you know, your money making. Yeah. If if you don't have Candyman, if you don't have Halloween Kills for that weekend in October, who's going to your movie theater? Right. What are you showing that month? Just old Halloween movies? (laughs) Oh, my. This is certainly out of left field. Nothing that we saw coming. Uh Wow. I'm just looking at my notes here to see if I have anything else. I mean, I get, the only other thing I have is, does Universal even bother responding at this point? Because they have to, from where we sit, they have all the leverage. They have a lot of leverage with this one big move. I, I wonder, I really wonder if Universal is going to come back to this negotiation table down the line and i think they will let's be honest i, I do i will do too i think this will get smoothed out i still am skeptical that you can use this model for every movie the calendar year round when we're not in a worldwide global crisis i i, I i'm skeptical that trolls world tour could work next year when we have some return to normal seeing a vaccine out there right 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 i mean well that's that's uh amc better hope so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that's what they're kind of relying on and there was there was mcnary did include how how nato had cited that the uh purchase at home industry was on a decline but year to year uh comparison between 2018 and 2019 mike the biggest thing they're not factoring in here is what the competition is going to be 
when we get back to normal. It is going to be premium VOD competing with the movies in theaters, competing with the streaming services at home, debuting premium content, new content like they've always been doing. Like, you know, you're going to have the future Candyman going against the Netflix movie of the week, going against the Disney Plus movie streaming movie of the week, going against all of these options that people have. Plus, you can go to the theaters and, and go see the, the the other new movies. That's a yeah, lot the, of competition. Theaters, it goes back to what I what I uh, proposed when we were talking before we hit record originally. What is normal anymore? Because in the immediate future, if normalcy, if this, if there's enough people scared by this COVID idea that it's going to rebound and come back and it's never really going to go away, and theaters are going to be forced to limit their capacity in perpetuity, yeah. if that's a reality they face, then yeah, they might be SOL anyway. When you say never really going away, you might mean what, nine months, a year? I mean, we're going to have a vaccine for this thing eventually. We will get back to normal, even if the economy you know, tanks by then. We're going to get back to some level of normalcy at some point in, I would say, the near future, even if that means you know, nine months if this goes so can, sideways. Yeah, can theaters survive that long? That's, that limited that's a big question. You know, we yeah. were talking about vertical integration. Is there going to be a, a move by Congress that says Disney can buy up all the all these theaters and Universal can buy up all these theaters and blah blah blah? And you get this uh, this cleaner. And I don't think they want to be, but you get this cleaner business model that way. I wonder, does Universal go? try to make a, a partnership deal or some kind of distribution deal or an exclusive rights deal with like a Cinemark now to keep them from partnering with AMC and try to put a wedge into NATO. We got a lot of stuff to cover the next couple of weeks because oh this story is going to keep going. This is nuts. I, this is crazy. <laughs> oh, nice little Tuesday for the movie industry. Uh, I guess we could re-record a closing right here instead of showing you the old <laughs> thing. So I guess we have to add Dave McNary's work for Variety on that list. So do go seek out Dave McNary's article from Variety. Do go seek out our buddy Scott Feinberg's article for The Hollywood Reporter and Mark Malkin's for Variety as well. All three are the main ones we referenced and read from for this episode. Uh, and we will include the links to them in the show notes for this episode. We'll also have them on our social media pages as well. Uh, there's a lot for you to digest, dear listener, and we want to hear your thoughts on any and all of it. As always, uh, you can leave us those thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. If you happen to be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, the easiest way to stay up to date for these breaking news within breaking news moments is to be subscribed to Mike, Mike and Oscar. And if you would be so kind to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, Hey, that would be pretty cool of you as well. Uh, Michael, you had some very endearing words of wisdom for the first cut of this. Can you repeat yourself? No, no I'm throwing it out. Okay, Good. I'm throwing it out. And these are words of unwisdom. These are not wise words. And don't follow my lead if, if you have issues with this. But I'm going to get a drink, my friend. I'm going to get two drinks. I'm going to get three drinks. The, the tweet, the booster tweet, the, the show notes that I write up might be a little weird. Just FYI for this episode when it does come out. Because, my goodness, this is wild. This is unprecedented for sure. Guys... When reality sucks or it's just <laughs> crazy, uh, stay tuned in and you can come watch movies and follow the news with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round, and we had a lot of help with that today. Without the <laughs> stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.